0: podcast esteemed women. It used to be called silence and then became innovation and finally women are now more empowered than ever to use their voices to express what it's really like to strive and thrive in what tends to be quite an imbalanced and unequal world. I'm sure it hasn't been easy but these women have achieved and accomplished. They truly are esteemed women who have chosen careers in science, technology and innovation They're typically go-getters, alpha females, hardworking, and maybe even a little bit perfectionistic, but on the whole, they've applied their talents and skills to really make a difference. That was certainly my intention when working as a mechanical engineer and fluid dynamicist. In these episodes, you'll get a chance to hear about some fascinating innovations, but you're also likely to be inspired and uplifted by the personal stories and experiences of my guests. So let's hear it from my STEM sister an incredibly esteemed woman, Kaula Daoud, a process engineer.
1: My name is Kaula Dawood, a bit of an odd name. I'm Tunisian and I am a process engineer at an engineering company. I'm glad you
2: pronounced your name because I um, was kind of struggling to pronounce it, which is ironic coming from a Sri Lankan girl. Uh, but yeah, it is a really unusual name, very beautiful. Um, and I have been really keen to
1: find out what process engineering is. Can you explain? Of course. So process engineering is actually chemical engineering. Just chemical engineering is the term, terminology we use more at university, but in the industry it's called process engineering because it's in a nutshell, um, this study and the an- analysis and the design um, in the chem- Chemical processes and the chemical process of plants, which is why, which where the word process comes from, because any chemical plant follows normally a process that takes you from a raw product to a final product, and that whole process is what process engineers end up designing. Uh, that can expand from, from um, equipment sizing, hydraulics, fluid analysis, um, software simulation, um, and things like that. Without going into the deep end.
2: Okay, that. <laughs> That would explain why I don't know too much about it because chemistry for me was such a terrifying
1: subject. Are you an expert? (laughs) An expert. So, So I'd say chemical engineering starts with chemistry in the first. I don't know if any people watching are more students. So we do chemistry at the beginning of the degree and then after is more or less more the fluid analysis, which is um kind of similar to the other mechanics mainly the mechanical engineering so we do the analysis of the fluids but in terms of the chemistry we analyze uh, things like the chemical composition the reactions uh we size reactors uh, we do so there's a branch there's a chemical engineering and the biochemical engineering uh, whether you do organic or inorganic um chemistry and i am specialized more in the energy so i did um I did chemistry in the first year, but more or less specialized more in uh, petroleum industry and then onwards after to the energy transition industries. But that's the link between the whole engineering and the chemistry in itself, is that we get involved in anything to do chemistry wise in the design. So the chemistry is only the first bit. And then after is more or less the development of the fluid analysis (laughs) from that.
2: Are you involved in energy generation after petroleum? Because mm. I'm thinking that energy generation is going into sustainable solutions. Mm. And that makes me think of solar panels and wind turbines. Mm.
1: Naturally, maybe even nuclear, which is very chemical. Mm. That's true. So. So when I, as soon as I finished university, and it was by complete chance because that's where my first job led me to, I was in the deep end with the petroleum industry, and then I did notice myself the change in terms of the project we were receiving because I transitioned from the first year or two uh, in my career from purely petroleum um, projects, so gas or oil, onto more of a energy transition projects. The ones that I have personally been involved with uh, were. Uh, the cathodic materials for the batteries for cars and anything to do with carbon capture and hydrogen. So obviously, because ke- process engineers, we deal with the chemistry, that's true. We get involved in nuclear or in terms of the energy transition, the renewable sort of more of the renewable Side of things we get involved with the carbon capture, the hydrogen, and the batteries. So anything solar and uh solar and wind farms involves a lot more mechanical and electrical discipline. Uh, so the chemical, the chemical engineers or the process engineers, we do get involved in these range of projects when it comes to energy transition. So at the moment, I am involved with a batteries project. So we're producing the cathodic material for batteries for electric cars um, in the future, which is really booming at the moment especially in the UK because funds have been released for the last few years to allow for this kind of project to be progressed so I have kind of specialised more into these this has been I think my third project in the span of two years that is specialised in this sort of industry and I find it quite exciting especially when you're still young <laughs> but you're at the beginning of your career it's nice to find yourself like your feet in sort of a like a new industry because there is definitely um, a space to grow in it because other other industries even nuclear they have been well established but these kind of industries you feel like everyone is learning at the same time even the senior people and there is much more space for it anybody frankly even junior to progress further up because you essentially learning even at the same time as someone senior who has done traditional energies for 30 plus years or so so it's, it's it is I'm finding it super exciting I'm glad <laughs> I sort of graduated and I started working when all of this has sort of started happening all these conversations
2: yeah it's like there is there's a the never-ending kind of pursuit mm-hmm. to find better batteries.
1: Mm, that's There's true. No Down to chemicals. It is. I know. I you know. I didn't before. I thought it was electrical, electro But it is. It's chemical because the battery has like anode and cathode. Not necessarily in the sense of the small batteries, but the there are a lot of chemical processes that come into place to even produce those materials. And the weird is is. They are all of them licensed owns. So you it changes from a client to another because every client that you have a project with have their own recipe on how to make these sort of batteries. And that is so different to the petroleum and traditional side of things because the petroleum is such an old industry that everything is pretty much traditional. And these kind of projects um, are very different. The specifications are different. The way the clients execute is different. There is much more sort of... Um, movement when it comes to the specification because it's new so there's a lot more discussions the clients much more dynamic i find myself in and out of meetings (laughs) so much more than what i used to because it's an ongoing conversation even with the client in terms of how to specify the design and how to take the right decisions and so on and so forth and it's continuously changing Um, it's an industry that depends a lot on raw materials um and certain types of mineral rare minerals and rare metals and so it's very geopolitically sensitive and all of that is very interesting from a point of view from the design so it's a very challenging sort of industry and to be honest quite exciting yeah i mean when you
2: open up the subject of batteries. We're talking about like, how do we capture renewable energy like wind and solar so that when it's not sunny and when it's not windy, we can still have mm. like, batteries full of charged. Um, we're talking about trying to keep cars light. We're trying to, we're talking about trying to reduce carbon emissions by not burning fuel and having like battery powered planes. And, you know, batteries are so absolutely fundamental, but then mm. it also, opens up the debate of like you know when you think about electric batteries and how much they use lithium and all the exactly true
1: yeah
2: lithium and then also finding and sourcing raw materials in space i mean it's it's a technology that lends itself to a whole host of other technologies
1: it's just a fascinating space to work work in yeah that is true and it's and its continuously evolving because like i literally i think last month or so i even read like this new there's this group of engineers based somewhere in america and they developed a completely new they found a completely new technology on how to make batteries charge so much faster because at the moment so to charge to charge a car can take you like an hour or so and that obviously depend, depends on how, how big the car is, depends on even the broadband that you're using to charge, it. depending on how many people in the same area are charging the cars. And this sort of issue is actually deterring a lot of people from potentially going full electric. So a lot of people are still using cars that are hybrid, so electrical slash traditional. And one of, well, there are many reasons, but one of them is this, is that people are not 100% still confident in the reliability of the batteries. and is so, the field is so dynamic that literally last, like, was it not even, like, it was two months ago or so, this group of engineers found a new technology where you can completely speed up the process and you can charge your car within a span of 10 minutes. And, like, the solutions are not even this kind of complex, but they're just doing experiments because there's so much more interest now and so many more people that are, interested in help develop the industry that they figure out a very simple mechanism that now is being taken further to hopefully commercialize it and now they're licensing this technology to other big world producers of batteries to help support the industry and all of this hopefully the battery is not perfect right now as exactly as you said yourself there are still resourcing issue. Even the materials are not very nice, and not very environmentally friendly, exactly like you pointed out. Lithium is not the nicest material to source, And even after the batteries, not all of them are recyclable. But quite frankly, I think everyone realised that not even you need an alternative technology that is urgent, but also there is that now, because obviously you've seen there are so many environmental issues, we start seeing them every year is hotter and hotter. So there is so much more people that are not just getting into the industry but really doing a lot of research to make it really the energy, potentially one of the energies of the future so at the same time as people are producing the battery people are continuously studying and trying to make it greener and greener and greener because, I don't know do you believe, Sheen, do you believe there's only one one renewable one perfect source of energy, like one perfect green, like it's a utopia isn't it, there's always going to be isn't it, and it's that drive to balance everything out so like this industry right now is promising obviously it's not perfect but at the same time hopefully with another one and another one and another one they will help us gain much more independence from the traditional oil and gas and hopefully maybe in the future another technology will be that will be even better than the batteries but it has yeah, to be a, a, a isn't lot it? about hydrogen mm. i'm hearing so much about hydrogen
2: green and, and blue <laughs> yeah and but you know, that's why I find battery technology so fascinating because mm-hmm. um, there may be all these different ways of generating power, mm-hmm. but storing it seems to always come back to batteries. And yes, mm-hmm. there can be many variations of batteries, um, but it's always back to that thing of like, how do we store that energy that we're generating or collecting? Um, I must say, listening to you, Um, I'm excited for you because you really are in kind of like an awesome um, sort of slice of the engineering sector in the sense Mm -hmm. that climate change is so topical um, and sustainability is like the hot word in engineering like all engineering solutions are now built to be sustainable and 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 hearing you talk about it You know, and and seeing you talk about it, it's like, oh, my God, you are so badass. Um, Badass. So, so, I mean, given that you absolutely do not fit the stereotype and you make engineering look amazing and cool. You know, what inspired you to go into an industry where you're really not
1: the Hmm. common stereotype? Mm, honestly well because you're, you're a STEM lady So I think like initially we just liked I liked honestly I liked like math. <laughs> and I just thought I feel lucky that I like as a lot of people don't and I know it's one of those things that can take you to pretty much a lot of career routes so like if you like anything STEM and it's quite how can I say I'm not I'm not saying anything special but it's true STEM disciplines STEM modules can take you to a lot of different career paths. So I just, initially, I just liked, I just found, I liked other things, but maths, I was like, it's, you know, it's got a good balance. I enjoy it, but also I know it can take me somewhere. And then to be frankly honest, when I had, so I'm Tunisian, had my baccalaureate. I didn't, at the time, I still didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, Frank, quite frankly. I just knew, I knew that anything STEM could take me somewhere where I could have a career. And not just, you know, it's not just taboo, but even from a financial point of view and also from a career progression point of view. And I knew that engineering was one of those career paths. You can do engineering and do a lot of things with it. So it stemmed from, I'd say, these two things. So I felt comfortable and I enjoyed like more like the maths and physics of things. But I also, it was kind of a conscious choice to be like, I'd go down this route, because I know, I don't know exactly what I want to do, but with this route, I can potentially go to other routes. And then when I was at university, I enjoyed it even more and more. There are so many ladies she knew with me on my, and even on my course. Yes, I went to Newcastle and I swear we were at least 40% girls. Oh, wow. 40% girls, yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of people like this is uncommon, but I think more and more, especially I think Kemenj, I think mechanical and electrical were very male dominated much more because it's the more traditional sort of disciplines. But Kemenj, I remember there was a lot of, my, like a lot of my girlfriends did in with me and a lot of them ended up going like not necessarily energy but like some yeah nuclear and and oil and gas and whatever not but a lot went into like products you know like shampoos and cosmetics and more like the chemistry side of things specialized more like in pharmaceutical products and so on and i think that is the main reason i and i chose chemical engineering specifically because also from the other engineering. It had the maths, the physics, but of the chemistry. So I was like, okay, that's another thing that I can figure myself out if, if that is what I want to do. Um, and then even that's how it started. And then when I got my degree, I went again and like a pretty much very, a very global company on purpose because I work in a a multinational engineering corporation where we get a lot of projects from a lot of different fields internationally. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to go to a corporation that way, because, again, it would offer me the chance to even get to know exactly what I want. And it's only been... I've enjoyed it so far. It's been challenging. (laughs) But I've learned so much. And that is the reason, quite frankly, I don't know if engineering technology will be my forever career so far it feels like it's the right thing and it came from a lot of smaller decisions so it's just a message if some people are like oh my god I didn't know I didn't know this is this is and I know and I know a lot of my friends some ha- stayed technical but not doing engineering technical in other aspects but it is definitely definitely one of the routes engineering is one of the routes that you can build yourself from doing pretty much anything else because yeah yeah it has the technical skills, sheet which is an achievement to have the technical abilities but also requires a lot of soft skills like it requires you to be able to speak your ideas to convince to show confidence in anything you write anything you've designed you know this I've sued <laughs> but it is true and all of those I mean you can get them from a lot of other jobs and other you know frankly but engineering is one of those that does sort of equip you with all of those things and being an 18 something year old, I didn't, and also I'm Tunisian and in Tunisia, and we have, there's that preconception that you have to do something STEM, which is, I know, weird because I think in other countries that's not the case, but it's regardless of whether you're a boy or a girl, it's an achievement to go technical, which I know a lot of people end up being surprised. But because obviously Tunisia is not very stable financially, so the only way for you to have good potential Chris to go technical and I don't know medicine or engineering and so it's not uncommon actually for girls that look like me in my home country to end up doing STEM and I'm glad it's only getting better over the years I think and you can agree with me Sheena there's always there. I think an imbalance there's always more men and I think even if there are ladies who study it, a lot of ladies over time leave the STEM route I think and that is another that, i think there is a lot of factors that that That's discussion a is topic. another discussion in itself that is
2: a topic that we i hope that we get to within this Bastard. hour um, but, so it doesn't sound like um being in engineering is like this that you're some outlier on the, <laughs> on the graph you know um so it's not crazy unusual that you're in engineering. But what I would love to know is at work and being in industry, being a woman, because wherever you are on the planet, we do live in a very patriarchal, yeah. dominated society, yeah. um, you know, globally, most cultures are very um, patriarchal. So um given that you're a woman in engineering, how have you, carried yourself? Like, how have you um, allowed yourself to gain the respect of your probably male dominated peers?
1: Honestly, and thank you for asking the question. When I joined, Ashini, there was a group of us, boys and girls, and I was the only girl from sort of my discipline. And even though we all had the similar qualifications, we all had degrees, first, masters, whatever, there is still that preconception that you're still maybe filling shoes that are bigger than yours. I don't know how to describe it. You always feel... That Because even though I am doing STEM, for example, the boys have always had a natural interest in anything like cars related or whatever. I, d- I don't know if it's a, a woman preconception, but I always, even though I had my, con- I knew I could do the job. There is always that feeling, oh, I know he'll get it and it'll take me a bit longer to get it. And that sort of those barriers that I think, talking from myself, but I know potentially some Ladies have this preconception as well. Is I don't know, we believe that I have to second guess myself much more. Hmm. That, to be honest, took time. And also, I think you need to have the right professional environment for that side of things to sort of, I don't want to say be fixed, to sort of develop. I think one of the good thing is, my company quite genuinely, we have a lot of ladies, not just in STEM, but also having leadership roles. So when you see um, another woman who's holding, I don't know, your boss or even your department, my department manager is a lady right now, she's even holding roles in the corporate level. There's a subconscious, I don't know how to describe, a subconscious thing that you do, you're like, okay, it's feasible. It's really feasible. I remember when I did an internship. It was like ages ago. It was like seven years ago when I was still a student, and the company was all, all men, all men. The ladies had, I think, sales or more like, yeah, sales or HR or with nothing, nothing wrong with these roles. But I remember there wasn't a lady holding technical roles. And when I joined my company, that was different. Even when I was interviewed, I was interviewed by ladies, not because, oh, she's a woman, she gets to be interviewed by women, because that's just how it is. And then I realised the barrier was essentially personal. of like, oh I don't know how to describe it, oh can I do it? Can I? He knows. And that, to be honest, went away with time, because you realise you really can do it. You really can do it. You can... There's this common uh saying I think it started
2: in America uh, in Australia or New Zealand mm. if you can see it, you can
1: be it exactly and exactly like I come every day and like my colleagues like I was stuck in a meeting all day super super intense meeting and in the room there was three women and one boy we he, we, he was outnumbered and we were all three process engineers ladies and our colleague was was a man not nothing to say all oh, women are Like, I like to think that we're all equal. I'm kind of sometimes against saying, oh, let's have an all-female team, or because even that kind of saying, I feel even, I don't know, segregates women more. Like, there's no, I'm just an engineer at my company. I don't want to be thought of, oh, a lady. I'm just an engineer. Frankly, even with my name, some people, because they're not familiarized with it, they call me sir or something, like if I'm working internationally. And I kind of, I don't really care because like on paper, I'm a person, I'm I'm, I'm an engineer. And that's what I kind of tried to work on myself to get to. Like I'm not, I'm an engineer. And then another thing is aspect, I suppose, just showing your feminine side. So like when an male-dominated office I think sometimes we women we tend to not be too feminine some some, not in a conscious way I'm not going to be too feminine I don't I'm not going to wear heels I'm not going to because I I just wanted to think that I'm serious but it's nothing to do that it's not related it's not at all related even if people have certain preconceptions it's time to make that change like an engineer doesn't look this way for force people to think that they can do their job the proper way, if that makes sense. All of those things have been a learning curve, but and it still is, still is a learning curve. And yeah, I'd say it's a combination of yourself and also the environment you're in uh, and how much you're feeding into that environment because changing your behavior also shows the other women how it's best to be, how it's best to act, all that kind of stuff. That's how I think anyway. <laughs> I really understand what you're mm. saying
2: um and I'm so happy for you that you are really aware of mm. those um potentially negative thought processes that some mm. women go through of like this idea
1: of your awareness of self-doubt even without um, realizing like literally sometimes without you realizing until, yeah. well, like, like, we're having this conversation, me and you, some people need conversations like this to even be like, oh, oh, yeah, because it's been going on for so many years that it's just for you the way to be. Yeah, but it's, it's great
2: that you are aware of it because by being aware of it, you can catch yourself if you are ever slipping into self-doubt. Um, I slip into self-doubt all the time and I've been... Aware of it um, for a long, long time, but sometimes you just have habits. You know, you kind of slip yeah, into absolutely. a role that you've been raised with, where absolutely. you know, for example, like I apologise a lot, mm-hmm. and then I'll catch myself and I'll be like, "Why am I saying sorry for um, demanding that I get paid a certain amount?" You
1: know. You know, I only really, really realised this recently. This saying sorry so automatically that we shouldn't, and I think it's still taboo, but we shouldn't, because I don't know, I feel it's all in subconscious, like it makes people think that you're, but no, you don't, you apologize when you need to, but you don't need to over- Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, over the decades, because I really am that old, uh, (laughs) that over the decades, I have seen people, women Mm. change their approach to how they present themselves at work. Um, So early on in my sort of engineering days, um, I saw the very, very few women that were in senior positions at work, Mm -hmm. presenting themselves as masculine. Like they were trying to be one of the boys and cut to decades later and I see women actually Yeah. They're multi-dimensions and, you know, and I think it's a combination of like what's been happening in the greater society. You know, we've got like more female presidents, we've got more women in leadership roles and they're having children and they're doing all these different things that women can do. And I think, you know, other women look at them and think, wow, they can, do it, do it. Yeah. yeah so yeah. where do you sit in that sort of like um plan for yourself in terms of because women have many dimensions and mm. being in a very male-dominated industry has meant in the past that
1: you have to compromise mm.
2: where are you going to compromise
1: so very interesting this is another very interesting topic because I feel even the things we're ready to compromise on change even with your age like the things I used to feel it's okay to compromise on not anymore now and probably will not be in five years time like what like what (laughs) like I don't know to be honest even the same I like to have a good work-life balance to be honest I remember when I when I was at university and when I started work that kind of slipped I was like you know I need to prove myself I need to you know because the more you prove yourself the more you get the right opportunities the right that you perceive them at the time to be right and you're ready to compromise on things they were compromises at the time they were like for you made a choice and I feel now I'm not like that anymore it's so important for me to have that good work-life balance and I think it's sad that it took I took me the pandemic to be honest to realize it um but that is a compromise that I'm not ready to not compromise on so like let's see um, I and it's funny because obviously the more you progress the more you have like workload and more responsibilities and you have to be held more accountable than you used to but It's so important. I used to, for example, if I don't know, it's the Friday, I've done my hours and everything. I would still, after work, stress about, oh, I should have done this, should have done this. Now I'm able to do that complete, honestly, complete disconnection. Like when I finish work, that's it. Like, yes, my job, I'm happy. I'm happy to be the the worker that I am. I'm happy to be the colleague that I am. But outside of working hours, I'm not a colleague and I'm not an engineer working at X. I'm not, Um, other things and that kind of barrier, I don't know if it's a ladies thing or not. When I started, when I, when I was studying, when I started working, that barrier was very blurry and I feel like th- there's a certain confidence that gets built over time that allows you to sort of make that barrier bold, that line much, much bold, bolder. With time, so that is, and that is something, it's just funny, Sheena, because when you start, you don't have as much responsibilities, but yet you let work slip more into your personal life. But then the right thing is, the more, actually, the more it gets intense, the more it's important to have that barrier. And that's always my homework. <laughs> it's been my homework since the pandemic. It's tough. Honestly, it's tough because, I don't know, as you, exactly as you said, like, women... I don't like to say, oh, as women, probably some men do, where you just feel like you can always do more. Like I feel it's not just a women thing. There's, I think, a bit more for the ladies. We we compare yourself, and then not very justifiable. Oh, he's doing more, or but it's true. It's for everyone. That kind of barrier between work and life has never been more important, especially after the pandemic, so many people got laid off of their jobs, lost their jobs, lost their businesses, lost the corporations and the companies continued on, but people lost their jobs. And it's highlighted for me that I didn't want, to be honest, compromise the personal to the work. And I think those kind of barriers only make you a better engineer, like an engineer in general, who can sort of separate those things can only be a better engineer. So that's where I stand. <laughs> Work in progress.
2: <laughs> Work in progress.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I find that the older I get, the more mm. I kind of look at um I'm more self-reflective. Mm. Um, and I kind of um you know I, I look at the bigger
1: picture. picture. Mm.
2: Um, I, last night I was at a dinner and I was sitting next to someone who was 35 who had um, a very different career um, which had, he had decided that he was going to stop doing that career Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: try something brand new and was kind of doing a masters and it just felt like a total 180. And um, because I'm older, I was just so excited for him because I feel like careers do twist and change and adapt and all of that. Um, But at the time, there's so much um, lack of experience, lack of confidence that comes with the lack of experience. And also like an uncertainty of like life choices and right and wrong and and all of that and and I do find that the older you get the more you are able to zoom out and just go it's part of life's tapestry totally but when you're super young um like a new graduate or making decisions on whether to take a stem career or not like you just think just feel it's one way it's just yeah
1: one freaking
2: highway (laughs) yeah with that said It is kind of one highway when it comes to say motherhood. Mm. Mm. Like, what are your perspectives
1: on that whole aspect of being a woman? Mm. As in, that is super. You know, it's a topic that comes up a lot with my girlfriends. I mean, it's men don't have to do this. For men, it's and I'm not saying all boo man. Not in a very objective manner they don't have to compromise on that okay they can have kids and that does not necessarily impact their careers for women we have to choose whether it's going to impact or not okay so that sort of unfair choice it is an un- some people consider because we're not 100% equal with men when it comes to that we have to compromise on that and I found it interesting because a lot of women have different opinions when it comes to that. Some women decide to take a step back completely and focus on motherhood. Some women decide to try to fully take care of kids and not change anything when it comes to their career path. Some women decide to do a completely different career that allows them much more flexibility. Some women decide that they don't want to have kids, they sacrifice that sort of need, natural need for the careers. And I think, I'm, so I'm 29, I'm around my 30s and it's a topic that comes up, I think even in the discussion with my friends, mm, what's the right thing? I don't think there is a right thing. I think it just needs like planning. I think every lady owes to herself to really think about that beforehand and think you know understand that if you decide to have kids then there are changes that might be happening and it's a different discussion that you have with yourself because sometimes that entails breaking a dream that you had or an idea that you had you would be at a lot of us thought we would be with kids at 20 25 27 you realize you're still trying to figure it out in your 20s you get to your 30 like oh my gosh I'm starting to make it no I don't want it to stop because I've just started to make it but I think I think thankfully because it work has been become more digitalized a lot of women now have been able to accomplish that by doing working more online going more contractor developing like side hustles and things like that and i think we're so lucky when it comes to the options that we have now where before we didn't um and there are more companies that are much more women friendly so even if a lady goes for her maternity leave when she comes back, that does not compromise necessarily her great progression some companies, you know, they take a, if a woman goes out for maternity leave, then when she comes back, she's not as good as she used to, so she's lacking practice. And I think that is where the real work needs to be done. And I think different companies do things differently, um, but there's no right answer. There is no, it's, it's, I don't know, a discussion that every woman needs to have with herself right in terms of it's
2: so it's so uh, listening to you and and speaking (laughs) because um like the best engineers i know you have such a clear thought process um (laughs) it's just so logical and clear and just oh i just you're a good good listener
1: you're a good listener charles (laughs)
2: So, really, really happy for you by the way, that you are 29 at a time where society is really embracing uh mm. the role of women mm. uh, because you know you are doing something that was traditionally reserved for men, and you're stepping into that traditionally masculine territory, but you're coming with you' you're you're stepping on that territory with a kind of empowerment mm. that um only comes with an allowance to just be yourself. like you're not I don't hear you trying to shove yourself mm. into certain categories or molds or templates,
1: I think it's like tough to do that I think it's much easier not to right it's much easier not to because when you stuff yourself into like roles you almost need to learn by heart what you should and what you should not do and you're just in this automatic sort of way of doing things and then one day you realize oh my god what have I been doing my whole life So I think that it's much harder to do that. And I think a lot of people sometimes don't get to that lucky place of spotting that they're doing that. They don't realize that they're doing that. And I think. How come you're not doing that? Because a lot of people Mm. do do that. How come?
2: What stopped Mm. you from doing
1: that? I think I'm honestly just, I try as much as I can to be in tune with myself realizing that what you thought was right two years ago might not be right two years from now and having that continuous checkup with yourself to be like okay am I still enjoying this where do I want to go with this am I not I think a lot of people talk about happiness I don't like because happiness is not like oh am I happy doing this I think it's much more of is it aligned what do I want to do with this what is it doing for me? This job, or what? Well, and it comes with anything with life, job, choices, partners, whatever, whatever it is. Is, is it working for me? And it's feel this question is super easy to ask ourselves, It's super hard to answer because a lot of people they can, uh, they can ask, oh, is it working for me? But then, oh yeah, of course it's working for me. And sometimes it just takes that. Sometimes it's sad. It's triggered by I don't know someone reaching their breaking point. Sometimes it just reach. I don't know, affects someone's mental health. It affects, sometimes some people need those kind of triggers to get to that sort of realization. Um, And as far as I am aware, what helps me is to be honest, to always think, where am I going? Where am I going? Am I going where I want to go? Do I know where I want to go? If I want to go A instead of B, okay, why do I want to go to A instead of B? And if I want to go to A, what should I do to take me to A. I like these kind of things with yourself and also the conversation with the right people, I feel lucky all of my friends were kind of at like this similar age, doing different things, which is nice, but similar age. And these conversations come up often and I feel I dropped the mental health, but it, it, there was a time where it affected my mental health for me to make change if I can say, and I think we are at a point, I think everyone must have some point been affected within their mental health, but now it's become much easier to talk about it, much less taboo, but I got to a point in the past where it affected me when it comes to my mental health. And since then I decided I need to be actively checking on myself, if that makes sense. I'm not saying it works every time, sometimes it doesn't work. It doesn't work, I'm like, what's wrong with me? And I have no idea and that is fine as long as you ask yourself that question yeah and to have the open minds of like what even if my what i'm saying is not the absolute truth but for now it's working for me does that make sense and to just be gentle with yourself like i feel girl and i think this coming back to the women we tend to be super like have the imposter syndrome a lot of men are like oh no but it is true it is true because i think it must be with the way we perceive thoughts like we we are perfectionists like a lot of women are perfectionists by nature not just to do with their jobs in their relationships with themselves with their bodies what they eat with their friendships with their future with their plans and i think we deserve to be a bit more gentle when it comes to that <laughs> And last point is i think yes conversations with ladies are nice but conversation with men are also nice because they do a lot of things right with themselves that would be good if we do with ourselves <laughs> so conversations about women are very interesting and very h- helpful even with men if that makes sense with the right ones <laughs> yes yeah. that's a really really
2: hmm. fundamental point because yeah. um there is a lot to learn from men, and this isn't a conversation to put men down or you know no. I hear a lot about the importance of diversity mm. in your work and in your life. Not once have I heard any kind of message that women are more superior or men are more superior or anyone's superior i I just really see you embracing um inclusivity mm. you know everyone's included and um i love the fact that you made the point about talking talking and connecting with others um regardless of their gender um because there is a lot to learn from one another um and that's really really a strong message of yours is that you know we it's so important to put your oxygen mask on first before helping others is Mm -hmm. what is defined um you really have always kind of gone back to your center of gravity every time you've (laughs) spoken as though you know it's not about trying to change the world it's about really just getting aligned with ourselves and um and that's where the empowerment stems from um It's been an absolute joy to speak with you because
1: mine. Thank you,
2: Do You know what comes out so clearly is that you are one hell of an amazing
1: person
2: here because the way you think and you know you're. you're
1: (laughs) I just like. Uh, You know. Thank you, Chiney. Thank you you for the conversation. Takes two to tango. So thank you very much for your time. Thanks
0: for listening and please do subscribe to this podcast and maybe even rate and review it if you can. The more ratings and reviews then the more interest from those trusty algorithms which could help to increase the reach of this show. And you can watch the video recording of this conversation on YouTube for my new series called Esteemed Women. It's all about self-discovery and self-evolution on innovation so as always be kind and loving to yourselves and I wish you all a great week.